senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. For the battle outside raging will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times they are changing. Our mothers and fathers throughout the land. Welcome to a presidential election special episode of Don't Feed the Trolls. This podcast, this one that you're listening to right now, was started at the beginning of 2016 when it seemed like America was starting to become extremely polarized politically. And we partially birthed this out of the desire to have hate-free debates. Well, I think it's safe to say that 2016 has been a rough year for America. And it will all come to a head this Tuesday... November 8th, as our country will decide if our 45th president is Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Welcome Dan Koch, our friend and previous guest, host of the new Depolarized podcast. And if you search his name in your podcast app, I'm sure you'll find him riffing on uh, matters of Christianity and theology with the our friend Joey Svensson and his brother on uh, Pastors with No Answers. Dan, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, <laughs> you seem you seem slightly hungover from the No Effect show last night. You want to talk about that first? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, just I'm not I'm not hungover. I was out very late uh, because of all my friends. That is the friend who uh, likes to stay up the latest, I guess. So it's you know if you're you know this from touring. If your friend is in town on tour and you want to get quality time with them, you're staying late because all the show stuff goes. My late. friend, you mean Fat Mike, right? Not just the band. yeah, the singer, the singer of No Effects and his um, his girlfriend. For, for all you people who don't understand punk rock, you guys are buddies. He calls you a friend. <laughs> we are buddies. Yeah, we've been friends for ten years now. He he remembered you too, Nate. You're his buddy too. I don't know. I mean, we should. We're, he calls you Nate Henry. We're going to get him on the show. Nice. Good. So, Dan, how are you feeling about, about this election right now? What's your, what's your current... I mean, you be, you've become quite political in the last year. Can you maybe t- talk about what motivated you to jump into the political discourse and, and, and how you're feeling right now? It was a... I have anxiety disorder, which is not helping me this week. Um, <laughs> but he was like a... Sorry to laugh at like your a, anxiety no, disorder. No, it's okay. I, I, I mean, I... I've, it is worth laughing at. I mean, you have to call out silly things for what they are so that you can move beyond them. Uh, but he was like a trigger for me early on. Like, what could this lead to? How big of a disaster could this be? And that kind of pushed me into politics as I sort of anxiously refreshed polls and found, you know, articles about it, trying to make sense of this phenomenon. And then that led to a greater appreciation for the topic and interest in it. So I am I am pretty new to to being really interested in politics about of a <clears throat> since about a year and a half ago. Well, your band your band Sherwood predicted that Trump would be the president <laughs> in his Kickstarter video. So that's true. There has been so many th- fun things motivated by by Trump's nomination. Uh I I mean I'm just I'm absolutely terrified if he wins. So you um, have fear that's motivated you to um, 
to 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 start getting into politics more. You have fear that's motivated you to start a podcast called Depolarize, which it, it in essence it isn't just fear though. I mean, so the the fear was what kind of got me into it, and then I and then I just literally just became interested. Right. right. Um, it became a hobby of mine, and and I just started looking into it more, reading more, talking with people who understood it better than I had, who had worked in politics, right. or just had been reading uh, copiously for years and years. And the depolarized podcast came less from the fear and more from this realization that everything is so polarized right now in American right. civil discourse, uh, religion, politics, other stuff as well. And so that the, the podcast didn't come from the fear. The podcast, I think, maybe came from love and a hope of like reconciliation. The fear is what initially got me interested right. in the whole thing. So what do you so what do you say to people who'd say, you know, your depolarized podcast is really not about depolarizing two sides, it's more about getting people to vote for Hillary Clinton? Yeah, that's really <laughs> hard, man. I know. And I, I have gotten that critique from a couple people. Uh, although the only critique that really I've gotten is to vote against Trump. I mean, I think it's pretty clear I'm not just stumping for Hillary. Is it sort of because you think Trump is is a polarizing figure and, and probably part of the problem of this polarization of America? Or is, does he just reveal what's already there? I think that, um, so I'll be vulnerable here. I would I would love to be able to want to have someone on to make a compelling case for Trump. Just... I would like that as a trying to be a open-minded person. I don't know that there is really a good argument for Trump. I think there could be an argument for still electing a Republican, for instance. Um, but almost no one is making the case for Trump himself, except well, how, his kind of base. How has your podcast shaped your view of Hillary? Has anyone made it a compelling case of not to vote for her? I would say it's not so much on the podcast because we haven't we haven't dove into like Hillary as a candidate really uh, but my reading and my podcast listening has made me increasingly suspicious of Hillary I think I I'm not happy about having her as president I think that there will be a lot to critique and a lot to watch out for if she wins I just think that the other option is so incredibly terrifying <laughs> you're the mom in the movie the good son and you've got hillary in one hand and trump in the other they're hanging over the cliff and you got to make a choice <laughs> and someone's gonna fall to their doom yeah i think that hillary will continue to be a corrupt politician and i think that if she does and and when she does she will need to be watched and you know possibly impeached I, that's fine. If we need to elect Hillary and then impeach her and have Tim Kaine as president, that is like a hundred times better than <laughs> the average person, especially in red states. This is why they're voting for Trump. This is exactly why. It's the human hand grenade yeah. into the system that that is that they feel like has betrayed them. And, and isn't that the argument that that if the system is, you know, drain the swamp, if the system is full of vipers and snakes, why don't we just go in there and blow the whole sure. thing up and start over? What's what's wrong with that? I, I think that that argument really rests on believing Trump's rhetoric that things are really bad. You know, it's really bad in America. A black right. person can't walk down the street without getting shot. And the statistics just don't bear it out. It is really bad 
for a small percentage of Americans, maybe maybe 15% of American, <clears throat> excuse me, 15% of American communities are in really dire straits. But unemployment is down, wages are up, uh, GDP is up. Like by almost any measure, things are not that bad. Crime is down, homicides are down. Like it's just the argument is that it, they are they are more bad for white middle class blue collar folks who are losing manufacturing jobs. And that's kind of the, the base of Trump's support. There, there's two separate questions here. Question one is, have both parties left behind a significant chunk of the American population? Yes. Question two. OK, because that has happened or because of sort of corrupt politicians, should we blow up? the whole system. No, I think, <laughs> and I don't think that anyone has made a good case for number two, um, that I have seen, right. I, I'd be really open to it. And I, I just want to, I mean, we're early on here. I want to emphasize the podcast is not depolarized podcast. is not me making arguments. I'm interviewing guests. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to have experts on and learn yeah. from them. I'm being candid with you guys about my own thoughts here, but the podcast is not sort of me making these arguments into either speaking of america doing right. really well let's go to our commercial break right now because this podcast is doing really well <laughs> just kidding we don't have commercials yet because we're not doing that great but i did want to go to a commercial break in my own way i want to read a couple words from ken burns the joyous world series for a weary country nate with the sports baseball analysis of our country's political atmosphere this is a really good article. It's on New York Times. It's only like, I'll read the first and last two paragraphs. But that will come. Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. It was 10 innings that to both sides felt like 10 months or 10 generations. This midnight final contest between the benighted Midwestern teams, each so deserving and so long denied. 5-1 Cubs, then 6-3 Cubs, and then the score tied 6-6 in the ninth. They rolled out the tarp. Would the joy end in rain-soaked Mudville for the Cubs or the Indians? Sure, there was sadness in Cleveland at the end of Game 7. Both sides walked away with the grit under their fingernails saying, wow, those guys played great. But the most generous words were uttered by the winning coach. Sometimes people forget, both sides are good. Fans left the park reminded that sometimes the cliches are true. There is beauty in competition, and a hard fight needn't be an ugly one. It was a thrilling escape of a World Series played in the shadow of a more consequential national cliffhanger, a battle of angry teams and distrusted coaches, in which 50, 60, or even 80% of Americans say they're afraid of what will happen to the country if the other side wins. And some threaten to not even accept the results at all. This World Series brought joy in a time of exhaustion and a reminder that there are things so much more important than the game.
40 million people tuned in to Game 7 of the World Series. Do you think that has something to do with the atmosphere uh, politically at the moment, the polarization, and does does do sports? Do, does Did that World Series play a role in kind of understanding I that felt, we're all in I felt literally or... sadness the next day. I had so much joy watching that Game 7. Everyone was connected. Everyone was tweeting. Everyone was happy. It just felt amazing. 160 plus years of drought for these two teams. Everyone's rallying around. And then the next day, I'm like, oh shit, the election. God. <laughs> yeah, back to reality. I think, especially the fact that Burns is right, the fact that those teams had been waiting for so long. You know, it's such like an American narrative the Cubs and the World Series. And then the Indians in the World Series is almost as good. And that does remind people that they want unity, something like that. Yeah, unity, and I I think that uh, it's really a beautiful beautiful timing for that event. Isn't that kind of what has has happened in politics, um, especially in presidential elections, um, in the primaries? You know that you've got two candidates of the same party going at it, and then one concedes and then endorses, and then you have you know you have in the general uh, two people going at it from opposite parties. And one concedes and endorses, and there's this sort of sense that we're all Americans here. Like we're, we might op- like oppose each other in viewpoint, but we all want what's best for this country, and we might approach that differently. But like we're gonna we're gonna with you know withdraw and concede and 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 support the president. And it seems like this time it's different, and and that's the scary part. That's what I think the article was saying is like everyone could accept the fact that there's two great teams here, the Indians and the Cubs, both deserving of this job. And and I think most Americans feel like neither neither of these teams, this is like this is like the last place two teams going at it. Nobody wants to root for either of these teams. <laughs> yeah. So there's just no grit under the fingernails. And I think I mean I could see both sides of this argument so well, but I almost wanted to make a viral video that was just like vote third party and just give all the reasons why you should vote third party. <laughs> what about third party, Dan? Like why not? Why not this is, seems like the this seems like the best moment to vote third party, right? I do think there are certain people who should vote third party in this election. Uh it's it's so hard though, because I I would agree with the editorial boards of almost every newspaper in America that John, Donald Trump represents a unique threat to American democracy. We've never had a presidential candidate threaten to not accept the results of an election. We've never have a, had a presidential. What does that candidate. even mean? What is that? What are you going to do? Like, well, here, here's the thing. He's ra- he's rallied all these people around him, Nate, and when he says it's rigged. Those people can easily become violent yeah. and try to over and try to overthrow the uh, opponent, and that's why we have peaceful transfer yeah. of power in America because we realize at the end of the day we're all Americans. You know, you might be a, a Cleveland Indians fan or a Chicago Cubs fan, but at the end of the day, we're all baseball fans, and you know, we're all good teams, and we all have good fans, and we're all you know, we're all in it in this together. And there's something different about this election. The Cubs win, and then the Indians storm the field and grab the trophy and just run down the street. Is that what you're saying? Like, <laughs> it's kind of like that, although... Their fans beat, beat up the Cubs fans. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it sort of better described, like, imagine Trump wins and then loses re-election in four years and takes the same approach and says, I'm not giving up the White House. I don't 
I don't respect the results of this election. What the hell would happen if a president did not respect that they weren't reelected? I mean, that is like Latin American dictatorship. Right. That That is the very fabric of how we hold this country together. And yeah. peaceful transfer of power. Yeah, that kind of thing scares the crap out of me. Right. Because it doesn't seem very peaceful. His rhetoric seems like and, you know, and you get these quotes from from people at Trump rallies, unfortunately, saying, you know, well, we'll we're going to have to do something about that. You know, if she gets elected or, uh, you know, if there, there's there's sort of veiled threats of violence. What do you yeah. think will happen? And what do you think kind of worst case scenario? Because I know you play these scenarios out in your head, probably. Uh, what, what's over worst case scenario? over and over again. <laughs> worst case scenario, if, if Hillary gets elected, you know, she's she's sworn in. What happens to what happens to the MAGA Trump supporters? Uh, you mean the make America great again? Yeah, I call, um, them, I call them MAGA. MAGAs. There are two kind of schools of thought that I'm aware of on this. One school of thought is it's mostly rhetoric and it's not really going to, nothing is going to, you know, physically happen. Even in that case, it's still going to be rough if, you know, 40-ish percent of America thinks that their president is there by false pretenses. Or is a criminal that should be in jail. Yeah, or is a criminal that should be in jail. Uh, if 40% of America does not respect the judicial processes of the FBI, for instance, and the courts. Right. Um, and then the second scenario is, of course, much scarier, which is that there are coordinated or small, less coordinated bouts of violence. Um, you know, we had the Bundy folks take over federal land in Oregon and they were acquitted. So right. it's not like people are really worried about being convicted for doing something like that right now well i don't know i mean if you had a bunch of uprisings all over the place there are probably more consequences i just i just mean you know if it's a semi-rational position to begin with well there's there's also the there's also the opportunity or the the chance of of attempted assassinations or violence against yeah uh, whoever becomes president, because that's not it's not a rare thing. I mean, Reagan was shot. That's that's only a couple right. presidents ago. You know, yeah. um, Bush got a th- uh, shoe thrown at his head, but that's the worst that happened. To him. I mean, I'm sure there have been assassination <laughs> plots that have been discovered by the right Secret Service that so, we never hear. So, about. I mean, we had we had Kennedy killed. Um, we had we had Reagan um, attempted by the mob attempted assassination. Yeah, and then and then so and those. It doesn't seem like it was nearly as 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 politicized or polarized back then. I I feel like that's it's not like a stretch to say there will be attempts. There is somebody yeah. who's highly militarized who is angry at well. At the I government think that that, that could happen something. with either of them. You know, I think that because you're right, the culture is so polarized uh, that it's dangerous for either of them that they might get assassinated. What is particularly concerning to me is Trump essentially calling for that in his speeches, saying, you know, if Hillary wins, I don't know what you guys can do, except maybe you Second Amendment folks, you might think of something. I mean, that is just offhand suggesting that they assassinate the president. Uh, This is the kind of stuff that has me awake at night. And, you know, I understand his populist appeal. I understand 
people wanting to say, look, this system has been bad for us. And I think that that's really legitimate. I just right. don't think that it's good to then give that power to Donald Trump. I think Trump supporters, you know, on one hand, they say, oh, you know, he speaks his mind. He doesn't sound like a politician. On the other hand, they're very quick to say, well, that's just tongue in cheek. That's just sarcasm. And here, and here, you know, his opponents are, are, are taking it out of context. He's not saying, you know, assassinate anybody. That's not really who Donald Trump is. He's just, he's a pe- he's appealing to the crowd and saying, you know, I'm a second amendment guy. And, you know, we, we have the right to bear arms and, and, you yeah. know, and he's not saying he's not, but people, you know, who take him seriously on the other side will be like, well, that sounds like he's inciting violence. And then you have all these people like strays in the middle, like me, who are just like, I, I can, I can definitely not vote for Trump. I do not want to vote for Hillary. I just feel alienated. I was probably going to vote for the democratic party. It seemed for the first time in my life. So I just feel like I didn't even want to do this podcast because I'm so just over it. Yeah, Nate's over this election, but <laughs> yeah. well, we've also profited a lot, a lot on it with the Donald <laughs> Trump memes. So we kind of owe it to the election. I don't even have the juice for memes anymore, Dan. <laughs> There's a real exhaustion, you know, this year so, that is unique to this election. So Dan, and it's it's yeah, it's probably media related, and then and then just all the arguments. Social media makes it so exhausting to constantly see the arguments in the comment sections and everything like that what so what happens uh donald trump wins the election you know 51 percent or whatever it is yeah uh i guess the electoral college decides 272 electoral college votes 272 votes yeah Yeah. he wins it surprise wow well it's it wouldn't be that big of a surprise at this point at this point, it's that close, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, 538 has him at like 38% chance as of this morning. Something like that. Okay, but he's still he's still down. He's the underdog, but he's, 12 he's a slight underdog right now. Okay. He wins it. Wow, big upset. What, do you, what can you predict? How do people respond to that? Uh, uh, supporters, supporters of him and, and people who don't like him. I, I mean, I think you might see some protests, but I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't think if he wins, it's going to be pandemonium. I think that Hillary Hillary will certainly concede and accept the results. Her own party would not let her get away with challenging them unless right. there was real evidence of foul play. And, and then I think at, at most they would look into it for a day or two and she would concede if right. they didn't find anything. Um and then if he wins, I think that uh, the markets will um, not crash, but stock markets will be hit really heavily. I think right. that a lot of people will try and move. I, I don't know, man. I mean, these are the things I try not to think about too much, not because not because I am sick of it, but because whatever does happen, whatever injustices start to occur in the Trump presidency, I just feel like I have to be ready to sort of resist those injustices. So if he starts signing up Muslims to a database, as he has said he would do, I think a bunch of Christians need to sign up and mess with the system. I mean, I think that's just like insane. Yeah, it's punk rock. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what happens if he wins long-term, but in the short term, I don't, I don't think much would happen. I think you'd see some small amount of, of uh, protests and maybe a little bit of rioting. 
So you're almost saying that that if Hillary wins, there's there's a there's a higher chance of um, violence in our country. Yeah, I think that that is true. I think that is true. Of course, that w- is not a good reason to vote one way or the other, but I think that's true. So right. things would kind of continue on in sort of a little bit of a shitty path that we've been on in terms of political scandals and such. You say if Hillary wins. Yeah. Yeah, I think that if Hillary wins, we have another corrupt politician in the Oval Office. I think she's very clearly more corrupt than Obama has been and more corrupt than George Bush was. Probably, you know, getting close to sort of Nixon level of machinations. <laughs> That's not necessarily a shining endorsement. No, it's not. I, I don't endorse but you her. Would, you, but you would want sense. people to vote for her over Donald oh, Trump. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I, I would take Nixon over Trump. I mean, in a second. Like, you you know what you're getting with Nixon. He's going to be as nasty as he can be to defeat, you know, his right. yeah. other party's opponents. He's going to hold on to power for himself and his party. But he still is a, a Republican. He's a Republican and he has to, like do what the Republican party wants or he is support evaporates. Right. So right. Nixon, Nixon he's is got a not jury of his peers. Yeah. He's not Mussolini. Like he's, he's not like a strong man. He's just a really bad guy at the top of the political structure. And that's right. what I think the Clintons are. I think that they, I think they have some really good impulses. I do think that they genuinely want some good things for the world, but I also think that they have enriched themselves off of, uh, needless speaking engagements that has not gone to, gone to the foundation that makes it murky. I think that they really want money and power, but they are totally beholden to the 50% of America that leans Democrat. If they right. start breaking from what that half of America wants, Hillary's, uh, her approval ratings will drop to nothing and she won't get right. reelected. I'll tell you one thing Hillary Clinton wants more than Donald Trump wants anything. Hillary Clinton wants re-election. And right. that is how American democracy works. She right. then has to do what 51% of Americans want her to do to get re-elected. She has to appeal to a base, right. And and Trump, is what you're, what you're saying is Trump doesn't have to appeal to anybody. He can, since he's such a wild card and people have abandoned the Republican Party to vote for him, he can kind of do whatever he wants. But some people would say that's a good thing because we need a third option yeah it's not a good thing because there's no way he's gonna i mean he might want to be reelected, but it's not like he's gonna do anything to be reelected. he will do things that his wealthy friends will respect him for he will do whatever he needs to do so that he goes down in history as a powerful and successful man i feel like everyone had a just like a sort of a, a small version of this in their high school when that one kid who was kind of popular like kind of loud and kind of obnoxious, made some dumb speech and became senior class president <laughs> and didn't do anything but think of himself for the rest of the year of like all the cool things that he could do for himself. I mean, not like you have any legitimate power, but we've all seen this.
Here's a little Kierkegaard for you, Dan. And maybe you can talk about this how, and how it relates to Trump, because I know you, uh, you like the philosophy. To win a crowd is no art. For that, only untruth is needed, nonsense, and some knowledge of frail human passions. Hmm. Damn, Kierkegaard. Oh, uh, <laughs> love you, Soren. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, you think that's what Trump embodies? Is He has this ability to kind of get a crowd of rowdy boys around him and say, oh, what? Yeah. And everyone goes, yeah. and then it's just nonsense. <laughs> I think it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, Trump and his team have acknowledged that they had been looking for a political opening for the last eight years or so. And so he did find sort of like a basic platform that he thought could make some waves and some noise. And I don't think he ever expected to get this far, but you know, his, his brand would get a bunch of free publicity I mean, he's taking reporters to his hotel openings the last two weeks of the election. He's holding events at new Trump hotels rather than town hall meetings and holding rallies. I mean, (laughs) so I think that back then he just thought it'll be free publicity. I'll get more and more famous. I'll have more power. And he is an entertainer. He's a natural entertainer. He can he can play a room. He can actually get people to laugh. You know, he's kind of funny. He's kind of charming and cute. Yeah. And unless you're a woman. Well, yeah. I just mean, <laughs> he's, he does have that. He has that sort of reality. He's, he's charismatic. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's charismatic. Right. And so he can do that. I think that the problem is that the little opening that he and his um, team identified where they might do well is through appealing to the worst in people. Right. Yeah. And, and then also, like, just consistently and serially lying to tell those people what they want to hear right. to vote for him. Right. I mean, the amount of untruths that come out of his mouth. But I don't think I don't even think his base necessarily believes him, and I don't think they're. I don't, I don't think that bothers them. I think they go, "Oh, that's just him," you know, joking or being rhetorical or whatever. They're not yeah. like. On, on those issues, on those things, when when he's sort of tongue in cheek, sarca- sarcastically addressing something, you know, I think a lot of the liberals go, "Oh my gosh, did he just say that?" And then his base is like, "Oh, he's just joking." And then when he's like, oh, "We're going to build sure. a wall," they're like, "No, he's going to build a wall." Because <laughs> yeah, it's platform. hard to know which which claims people take seriously and which they don't in terms of his supporters. That's it's there, difficult to know. There's lots of motivators for a human being to want to become president, right? Some people, I don't know, they actually want to serve. Some people have the Gandhi spirit. They want to give it back to the people. Some people are probably in the middle where they're kind of like, you know, you've all met the successful businessman that was nice to you, had a good conversation with you, but at the end of the day, you thought, push comes to shove, this dude's going to choose for himself what he needs to get out of this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, which is something that you we all experienced in bands. There was this business side of being in a band, but then there was this human side of, no, we're all friends in this together. And you always had these moral lines you had to cross between business and friendship. Right. And it feels like Trump is just the kid who didn't get picked in the basketball team <laughs> and his whole life, his whole life has been trying to prove that he doesn't have a small penis. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, wow. it just 
he feels like that rich guy that's like that, you know? And I just go, he's just butthurt somewhere. Something <laughs> happened to this guy. I don't even know what, it, he just never made it or something or? Psychologically though, like a, like a, a narcissist is never sated as far as their appetite for affirmation. And so I don't think necessarily, I mean, yes, with, I'm, and here I am, armchair psychologist, diagnosing him with narcissism, but I think there's a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists out there that would sympathize with that uh, estimation of his of his personality. But I will say that there, yes, something in his past he has uh, like I've 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 read somewhere that he has deep and um, deep wounds that are uh, undealt with from his childhood, which cause his personality disorder, and that therefore will never be sated. There there will never be enough for Donald Trump. And that's kind of, I think what you're alluding to is the fact that like he constantly will need to be number one. He constantly will deflect. I don't know if you saw the, uh, uh, the Louis CK, um, interview on, on Conan. I, I retweeted it. It's pretty funny. He's like, he's like, I'm voting yeah. for Hillary Clinton. And he's, he exclaims why, which is in a really funny way. But he talks about Trump. He's like, you can't have someone be president who can like, can't take an insult who like cannot take criticism it's like you you criticize hillary clinton she's like yeah this is what i'm going to do for women and children you criticize donald trump and everything has to stop and everything you know you have to like listen to him for like you know because he can't take an insult and that's kind of what happens when you i think insult a someone with narcissism it's just it's totally it's in defense mode and and it's all about shifting the blame or lashing back out in defensiveness and I mean, I think that's what you see when, when you see a candidate like Trump. Well, and you saw it in the debates, right? I mean, it was amazing how easy it was for Hillary to bait him into things that she wanted him to do. So she drops the Elisa, Alicia right. Machado Miss Universe pageant woman into the conversation, not right. subtly. She planned that one. And he can't let it go. Yeah. He has to go, that woman was the worst contestant we ever had. And you can go to the tapes and he just, he cannot let anything go that attacks him. And if you're Putin or some other world leader, you're just like, okay, what's our plan here? Well, we want, we want this. What do we want Donald president Donald Trump to do? Well, we want him to do this. How do we distract him? And how do we get him to respond a certain way? We drop this story. We know exactly what he's going to do. That plays right into our plans. I mean, it's just insane. He's so predictable. That's a really bad thing in a commander in chief. So what are people seeing that they actually think this dude's going to make America great again? What? I think a lot of it comes down to messaging and kind of culture. I, I think that a lot of people go, this guy is one of us. He's not out in DC. He is like, he's just like us, that billionaire. Well, I know, but he but he doesn't dress like a billionaire. He wears the silly hat. He talks like he basically talks like Republican right wing talk radio. Right. I mean, he talks like that base. Yeah. And he, he and I, I mean, I think there's you know probably a hundred. There's like a hundred different motivations that people have that they see in him, but that's a big one. It's just he just he just is on our team and so it doesn't matter what he says he's us he's yeah. us glenn beck on um vice news I, I don't know if you saw that episode but he was like I watching think- the debate and he's like he's like i mean he's pretty anti trump which is crazy because trump sounds a lot like glenn beck i think sometimes uh yeah. in his you know 
drain the swamp anecdotes, but Glenn Beck's watching it and he goes, well, that plays really well to the guy, you know, who's, who has the beer in the bar. And he's like, cheers. You know, like everything he said, he was like, that's the guy he's playing to. And that's why that, that, that goes off really, really well. Well, the majority of us, yeah. I mean, or the majority of us, but we sit back and we go, well, that sounds kind of dangerous. But the guy just chilling going like, you know, I've been screwed by America. You know, it, it, it plays, it plays really well. Well, yeah. And that, you know, I had a woman next to me at the airport last time I flew somewhere who was like, I'm not going through that new, you know, radiation detector or whatever, whatever yeah. it's called. The one where you put your arms up. She's like, I'll get a pat down. I don't trust it. And I was sort of like, that's interesting to me because she has no reason not to trust it. Right. Except she doesn't trust anything like that. Right. And I was like, that, that's kind of the way that a Trump supporter might feel about the government in general. I just, just don't like, trust I have him. no reason to trust any of that. Right. I mean, a lot of people are voting for him because they can't vote for Hillary or they can't vote Democratic and they just think that it's better to have any Republican in there than any Democrat, no matter what. Right. So there's, yeah. some, you know, the evangelical vote, the, the white, um, plus 40 evangelical vote is like almost 100% for Trump. Wow. And, uh, you know, they're just like, we, we can't, can't have more abortions. To speak to that voter though, to speak to that voter, cause I'm more interested in the, the guy who votes for it. Um, I think a big shift in my own life was to kind of understand that like a lot of people criticizing the government I found in my life worked for the government. And I'm like, wait a minute here. You work for the government, but you don't like the government, but the government has done a lot of good things. There was this meme that was going around Facebook that was funny, like this dad in his car, and he's like, I hate the government. And it's like, on their way to a national park, driven in a car, bailed out by the government, (laughs) has a pension from a government job, you know, all these different like eight things that the government has helped his direct life out. It was just funny. But uh, I I think that's when the light began to turn on me. I'm like, okay. The government actually does a lot of good things for a lot of people that I love. A lot of my friends and family are employed by them, and I, I can't really have this anti stance. I just have to have more of a like it can be better stance, but not anti. Right? You know, you could have a philosophical position that government is really inefficient with funds, and so therefore funds should be allocated to privately or yeah. to state governments or as locally as possible if it needs to be government. I mean, that's totally reasonable view to hold. Right. I think that I do think though, I mean, there's so much going on that this election has crystallized, but there has been 30 or 40 years of the far right and really just even rank and file Republican politicians promising to their base that they're going to repeal Obamacare. They're going to make the government small. They're going to do all these things. They, they never accomplish that. What does happen is the wealthy donor base of the Republican Party enriches itself more and more. And so I think there is a lot of resentment amongst Republicans is one of the things that led to Trump, which was just, you guys don't care about us. You've been saying this for 30 years. You never get it done. I, I talked to a guy, I talked to a voter who said, you know, we elected all the Tea Party guys two years ago in the midterms or six years ago. And they didn't get it done. The only thing they did was shut down the government for a while. Yeah. You know, I don't believe that. I don't trust them anymore. That's like exactly, he said it, exactly what, you know, the really fired up Republican base is probably feeling right now. Right. From the mountains to the prairie to the 
you know, there, there's versions of this on the left too, um, in terms of maybe the African American community or, or depending on, or depending the, on the uh, or the the anti war people too. It's like you know, Obama's dropping doing drone yeah. drone yeah. strikes and stuff, and like he ran on a platform that was you know got the endorsement from uh, what's the what's the anti war folk? Uh, MoveOn.org. Okay. MoveOn.org. Okay. So so Obama ran his whole platform was like a lot of it was was to get that endorsement from move on because the, the the american people were way against these wars and and, and being yeah. overseas and getting in fights and stuff and and so yeah i guess that would be the liberal equivalent of of the republican party you know people who who are supporters of republican pundits uh being being angry because because here here the liberals were thinking that obama would pull out and and not do these drone strikes and and clearly he hasn't stopped so yeah that's just yeah my, yeah some of those Democrat voters too are going for Trump as well because they feel like they've been left behind by both parties, or they've been left behind by the Democratic Party. I mean, it, it, it's complicated. Right. I remember being bummed out eight years ago when Obama was just trashing Hillary on the last campaign, and then right away he hires her on, and I'm just like, wait, come on, man! Like, you were supposed to be, you were supposed to be all about change. But that's what we're, change. but that's what we're talking about here, Nate. We're talking about the peaceful transfer of power. So, like, you know, that's like people going to bat, you know, to battle or bat against each other. The the Indians and the Cubs, and at the at the end of the game, they shake each other's hands and say, "All right, you're actually he good players." Her to win the nomination, right? And then he hires her right on staff. It's like, wait a minute, you're just following yeah, suit with what everyone else does. They trash their opponent yeah. and then they hire him. You know. Well, it's better than well, trashing yeah. your opponent and then refusing to um, acknowledge that you lost the race. You could look at it like, look, all these politicians are just crooked assholes. They say whatever they got to say. But you could also look at it as he thought she was really qualified and he was willing to like put the really rigorous debate of the primary behind him and like get her involved because he valued her voice. I mean, or it could be any combination of in between those things. Sure, yeah. But I don't think it sends a message to the average voter that that's the, the case because the average voter has been pandered. To. I personally liked that. I thought, great. I did the cam the campaigns behind you. Clearly she's a formidable opponent. And sh- and if you, if she goes to bat for you on your team, you know, if she's your DH or whatever, Nate, to use baseball terms, then she'll she'll do good for you. She was punishing you in 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 the uh, primaries. I I'm just saying it's harder to believe Obama in that situation. Sure, give Hillary the job. I'm sure she might be qualified for the job or whatever. But sure. I, I think, think if anything, kind of- it erodes faith in. He was trying Obama. to unite the party. Politicians. Well, what politicians say when they're campaigning? People yes, go, well, exactly. look. Well, it doesn't matter what they say, They'll and say I anything. understand yeah. that. And I think that's why we have Trump. Yeah. I think that's why I think that's why all the rednecks are just out in support of Trump because they just they see these things and they don't they don't know how to kind of go, well, that's kind of what politicians they're tired. Do, yeah, still, they're tired of double speak. I was going to say, maybe if I was to throw it out there about Trump and Hillary, just from just like a personality dissection to say why you should maybe vote for Hillary is Donald Trump is the kind of guy that would run for either Republican or Democrat if he thought he could win. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah. He was I a Democrat until 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, but I don't think Hillary would run as a Republican. I really think at the end of the day, <laughs> she just wouldn't do it. 
Yeah. So I think that's true. There's principles there. Maybe, is what you're saying. There is some principles yeah. it seems that Hillary will stand on. Whereas Trump, I think he'll just run. He'll run as an independent or a green guy or a fish or whatever he has to do <laughs> to get in, to swim the seas <laughs> of the White House. You know what I mean? If you want a conservative agenda, but you don't want the world to blow up, just don't vote for Trump and then vote for all your down ballot Republicans. Right. To be a check a check on Hillary. That's how. That is how politics works. Right. If she doesn't have a Democratic Senate, she has to compromise with them to get anything done, and that's by design. Right. That's how our system is designed to work to to prevent tyranny. Right. You know. So it's a blunt tool. It's a blunt, slow tool. But democracy is really good at keeping out tyrants. Right. So you're saying reasonable, reasonable Republicans vote vote Republican in the House and Senate. And, down ballot, and then yeah. don't vote, don't vote for uh, Trump, and that way. Well, I think that's especially true if you are like pro-life, or if there's some some platform of the Republican Party that you right. really feel strongly about. Then do not vote for the charlatan candidate who really doesn't care about what you care about. Right. Send a message to the GOP. No, abortion is important to me. Right. I'm not going to vote for Trump. Sure. I'm not going to vote for the bare minimum lip service candidate right. who has been married three times right. and was pro-choice eight years ago. I'm not going to settle. Like, yeah. I'm not going to settle for that. Right. You don't get my vote, but I will vote for my congressperson and my senator who are pro-life, right? Like that's, that's what you do. That's just how you wield your votes. That's how you show a party that they need yeah. you. Well, in a few short days, our country will decide the next president and we'll all be watching and tuned in and i'm sure some of us terrified some of us excited some of us over it yeah uh but uh but yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen here in a few short days and if, if so. you're interested in a few particular arguments about this election i've got there's episodes of the depolarized podcast about conservative supreme court justices there's an episode about pro-life questions there's an episode about third parties yeah and a handful of others so if, if one of those is like a deciding factor for you right i would encourage you to go listen to there's still podcast. some time before you vote so listen to dan's yeah. podcast depolarize if you guys yeah. want to check out some stuff yeah. and and learn learn about some issues um there's some experts on there dan has some pretty good pretty yeah. good pretty good insights pretty good people on there so check that out really smart guests yeah. as always uh you can email us at don't email the trolls at gmail.com Oh, Hillary, how we wish you were Bernie or the Cubs. Oh, Donald, how we wish you were Ron Paul or the Indians. Oh, uh, that's right? good. That's good. All right. Any more baseball baseball metaphors before we go? I'm just saying. I mean, I just, I just wish we had a great World Series in the old White you House. You know, if one thing redeemed 2016 for us, at least for Nate, it was that World Series. Oh, dude, Beautiful. I don't even like those teams, and I thought it was amazing. Awesome. So. Yeah, that was amazing. All right, guys, get out the vote. Dan, what do you say to people who are who are on, on the fence of whether or not they're going to show up on, on November 8th? Oh, man, show up. And I would especially say really consider really consider if we want to give the nuclear codes to, to, to a man who any foreign power could predict how we will rea he will react as long as they insult him in the right way. <laughs> I just don't do yeah. that. Make America's pastime great again. Go out and vote. Go out and vote. No, I mean, I just think, like, 
don't elect Trump. Do vote your conscience everywhere else and be a part of the democratic process. We need healthy parties on both sides. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you coming on. Dan Koch from Depolarized Podcast. Go check it out, you guys. From winning, boy, if you've got a weak heart, turn the set off. Come on, boy. The rest of you stay with us. The crowd quiet. Now ready. The pitch. Bouncing ball. There's a throw. He is out. Cubs win.